This is IT Visionaries, your number one source for actionable insights and exclusive interviews with CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs, and many more. I'm your host, Albert Chow, a former CIO, former sales VP, and now podcast host. What I would say with Legends of Low Code is that it opened my eyes to a whole lot of other opportunities. There are things out there as a clinician that I didn't know about that. I knew technology could help. I didn't know how technology could help, but I knew it could help. And so being a part of Legends of Local gave me an opportunity to see exactly how they could help. To their disbelief, and in just a matter of days, the Salesforce Trailblazers created multiple low-code solutions for nonprofit healthcare provider Pacific Clinics. Legends of Low Code is a unique Salesforce Plus video series, and it amazed Eleanor Castillo Sumi, the SVP of Strategy, Innovation, and Growth, at how much the Trailblazer teams accomplished to create a better user experience for their customers. In this episode, we go behind the scenes as Pacific Clinic CFO Jason Guruhu joins Eleanor to shed light on the technical challenges they face every day as they serve thousands of Californians across incompatible technology systems. If you haven't seen it yet, go to salesforce.com plus to watch Legends of Low Code now. Jason, Eleanor, thanks for joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Albert. Listen, we're pumped to have you guys on the show. For anyone who's listening right now, but has not gotten a chance to actually see the show Legends of Low Code, let's do this. Let's bring our audience up to speed on what is Pacific Clinics and what it's all about. And then what we'll do is we'll dive into some of the technology and the innovation that's going on there to make the services better. So we'll start with Jason. For our audience who may not be familiar with Pacific Clinics, tell us what is Pacific Clinics and what does it do? So Pacific Clinics is now the largest behavioral health agency in the state of California. We recently went through a merger of two very large behavioral health agencies in California to become the largest. I think Eleanor can talk to the breadth of services we deliver to the clients and customers. Yes. So as a merged organization, we provide behavioral, um, which means mental health and substance use services to the full age continuum. So from zero to older adults. We also provide foster care and social services, as well as educational services. So for example, we have a Head Start program, adult learning, as well as school-based programs. That's awesome. I mean, clearly things that are in desperate need. For our audience who may, may not be familiar, are the services you provide at a for-profit basis or is Pacific Clinics a nonprofit? So Pacific Clinics is a nonprofit. We, we serve the managed care population, which in California is one of the largest populations in the United States. 14 million. Yeah, it's a big, big customer base, critical need, a lot of people that need services. It is a nonprofit. Now, historically, what we understand about nonprofits is that funds are limited, right? It's not quite the same as a normal, a private or institution that's going to possibly have the investments to make in technology. We saw your team join us on Legends of Low Code previously. Go check it out. It's on Salesforce Plus right now. And Legends of Low Code is a television show where the Salesforce Trailblazers, who are good at building applications and services on the Salesforce platform, they got to meet with a bunch of nonprofits. Each nonprofit only sat down with them for a very limited time, kind of revealing the requirements, or I guess the problems. Like, this is the problem. This is the scope. This is the challenge. This is what I'd like to see a solution. And these teams were challenged with just a little bit of time to try to solve that problem. Eleanor, give us a framework of why you wanted to be on the show 
the world of nonprofits is, is always a challenge, right? Because you want to give good and there's donors giving to you, but at the same time, there's never feels like there's quite enough resource. And so when you have an opportunity to build innovation, it seems pretty cool. I'd love to hear the thought process behind like, hey, we're going to do this. This is what we need help with and take our audience through that needs assessment to say like, this is what we realized and this is why we wanted to do the show. Yeah, Albert, so you're absolutely right. You know, for nonprofits to really think about innovation is really difficult. Um, the way the structure works in California is that for the most part, organizations like us um, get paid through what is called a cost reimbursed process. So we can only get reimbursed for what it costs to do our business. So anything outside of that innovation is not necessarily reimbursable. However, a few years ago, when we were going through our um, visioning process and strategic planning process, we recognized the need to be able to, to transform. Um, given the changing landscape, we've, we knew that it was absolutely critical for us to transform our business. Um, that's the reason why now Pacific Clinics today has been around business for over 155 years, is, that, is our ability to anticipate these changes and make changes accordingly. And I would say, you know, we reached out to Salesforce, but it's gratitude to them for selecting us because my understanding was that there were other applicants that wanted to be part of Legends of Low Code and we were selected. So we are very grateful for that opportunity. It's also this partnership you know, that I have with Jason. As the VP of, of Strategy, Innovation and Growth, I needed a partner in thinking. Um, I needed a partner to be creative in our finances. Um, not that he did anything illegal, <laughs> Thank you. but I needed somebody to think different, <laughs> to think differently about how we, you know, build our business so that we can innovate. Um, and how much risk are we willing to take? So he's been a great partner in all of this. Um, and it goes back to again our strategy and our vision um, several years ago. And today, California is undergoing a, a trans. Transform on uh, transformative process with the entire system, as I mentioned, with four, 14 million people. So it's not just the state, you know, it trickles down all the way down to the organization. So I think it's really critical for organizations to figure out how they can transform along with the larger system. And Salesforce is giving us that platform to be able to do that. Yeah. And just a quick little background for, from my knowledge, I always like to frame up for our audience. So when I was in grad school, I went to Emory University, I went to the School of Public Health. One of the things we talked about was delivering services is just half the battle. It's like the other half of the battle in the public realm is like kind of like the red tape, the logistics, the administration. And so kind of like what you're talking about as data, systems of record, whatever like the intake process, we understand that that can be a huge problem. We know that the processing post-service is can be a huge paperwork problem. I remember doing studies where I had to put together and compile these data and statistics to validate the existence of the service. And he was like, oh man, I feel like this service should be widely recognized as necessary. I don't know why I need to fill this out, but, but it was done. And uh, I wanted to kind of, you know, turn it over to you, Eleanor, like where, where did you start seeing like, our, like maybe bottlenecks or opportunities or where, what side of the process were you like, hey, we need more systems. We need technical help because it's one thing to provide the care, but it, a lot of times the, that's what I was talking about. It's like the challenge of providing care isn't actually delivering the care. It's all the things that lead up to it and all the things after it. Exactly. So, you know, let me give a preference to my background. I'm, I'm a clinical psychologist by trade. And so that's what I went to school for. And that's, you know, what my livelihood should be. But I also have been very passionate about social justice. And so that's a population that we serve, um, you know, individuals with a lot of these challenges in their day-to-day -day life. And like I said, you know, there's so many things to 
take into account, you know, Jason has been a really great partner. I'll, I'll have him talk about, you know, the data piece from his perspective because he has a background in, in IT. And so it really is that true partnership, right? I have content of how things work clinically and how we would like to have things work clinically. Um, and he has the more, the more technical piece. So between that, you know, if you were to talk about people, process, and technology, I think, you know, the two of us addressed, all, you know, a, a lot of that from, in, you know, from inception and just kind of had, had this think tank together. Um, one of the things that Jason did in this whole process was to really tease apart what is now under me, under new business. You know, historically, it's been under operations. And we learned that, you know, again, with, with nonprofits, you have people who are really passionate about the work and really want to do every aspect of the work. But building, putting more task and responsibility on people who need to be focused on the day-to-day -day operations really takes away from, you know, setting us up for tomorrow. Um, so he created this whole new business structure. And part of that thinking is the incubator. And here I am talking for Jason, talking about his thoughts. So he can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> But, you know, he created new business where the whole idea is to be an incubator to pilot some of these things, get it to turnkey operations so that we can get it to operations and just keep that mantra. We are a large organization. We provide services across, across multiple counties in California and the resources aren't equal in each county. So it's, you know, how do we, what, what are the key essential things that you need? How do we build the infrastructure and then how do we get it out there into the programs out in the counties so that we can just keep, you know, the mantra of building, innovating, um, sustaining and, you know, and growing. And what I would say with Legends of Low Code is that it opened my eyes to a whole lot of other opportunities. Um, you know, there are things out there as a clinician that I didn't know about that. I knew technology could help. I didn't know how, how technology could help, but I knew it could help. And so being a part of Legends of Low Code gave me an opportunity to see exactly how they could help. And that's what the tears are all about at the end is I've been in this industry. I use my kids as a hallmark of how things are progressing. And, you know, if my kids ever needed services, I don't think they would have had the services that, you know, mental health would be as accessible as behavioral uh, physical health services. So at the end, I, I didn't expect to get overwhelmed, but I got overwhelmed because in less than two days, we had potential solutions you know, to help the organization, the implications were huge. And not only did we get potential solutions, but we got three wonderful options. And that's what was so amazing. You know, the trailblazers were amazing. They, they listened, they were empathetic. I, I felt like they were in our business because they came up with solutions that were really, were really helpful. But that's what new business is all about, is testing all of these things. And now the rest of the organizations are coming to us to say, you know, how soon can you get to the rest of us? Um, and there's over 2,000 employees in the organization, and you know they all want to have their hands on Salesforce. And maybe Jason is closing his ears on that part. But all right, listen, this is <laughs> this is great to hear. This is phenomenal because, in, in by the way, Eleanor, like the passion that you were just talking with, and like almost sounded like emotional, like like dude, we were able to deliver all these new services from this. This is amazing stuff. I want to dive into that, but before we do, one of the big roadblocks a lot of our Nonprofits that we've nonprofit guests, CTO, technical leaders have is how do they get projects off the ground? Jason, it sounds like Pacific Links was already going after this like incubator model, new business model. Uh, we've heard it in private industry. I've never heard this in nonprofit. This sounds pretty cool. Give us an idea. How did you incubate this as a possibility? Because it sounds like you've you know actually delivered or dedicated resources and people to try to figure out solutions to these problems. Tell us how this came about for you. 
So I, I come from for-profit. I spent most of my career in high-tech and, and consumer products. And so um, incubator and, and how private equity comes in for startups is how you do business. So Eleanor and her role of strategy and business development, it was really the key. So looking out into how do we really perform our mission? How do we really serve the underserved? And as Eleanor said, California is really changing the way it, it wants its population served. And it's significantly changing its fiscal structure. Nonprofits really have to be able to be strategic and be able to understand what the future is going to look like. So I want to go back to how did we get to Salesforce? Because it, it, it's funny. We both, Eleanor and I both came to, we need a new tool for what we want to do, reaching out to population management versus the legacy way of dealing with the counties and the state government's controlled way of, of getting referrals. The idea of, well, we really want to touch the population and, and serve the population. And the issue was there's no tool. We had no tool in the organization to deal with the volume of data you need to deal with when you're starting to look at population management. Can you give our audience an idea of why it was so difficult? How many records are you talking about? How is it being done? Was it like manually being done? I'd love to understand the problem a little bit more. Uh, that way our audience can get like in that mindset of where you were at. Yeah. So, so you know, it's, it's really a front end issue versus a back end issue. In, in the legacy world, you get referrals. And so, you know, you, you get your you get your client and then you can serve your client and all of the all of the administrative requirements that come with doing that as you serve to get to your true work, which is in service to the client. That's the world we were in. In the new world, you want to be looking at the population of 100,000 in a small city, 100,000 that need service. And so you really have to be able to go look at that 100,000 potential clients and figure out who needs the service. And so that was where Eleanor went to, right? That, that front end, this is what we need to do. Uh, and this is what California wants. I had the experience of in my for-profit world, I was in finance planning and analysis of, of, a, of a national um, sales force. And we had implemented, you know, Salesforce back then, 30 years ago, implementing Salesforce for a sales team. And so I thought, well, this is the same thing, right? This is this is about looking at a large volume of potential clients and starting to, to qualify and, and all the things you need to do. Eleanor, and I'm now I'm speaking for Eleanor, but in parallel, she had a Salesforce experience and she also saw that the CRM model really fit what we wanted to do. It not only just identifying the clients, but also in case management and actual serving the client. So we both came to, we need a tool we know we need something like a CRM. We both said we know Salesforce has such a strong social conscience in how they want to do their business. And, and so that's how we both said, well, we need a tool. Let's reach out to Salesforce. And, um, and so that, that was actually the, 
how did we get here, became a real partnership of Salesforce wanting to really be involved in supporting the behavioral health population, Salesforce really wanting to be a part of a community that raises up the folks in the community. I remember talking to Ben Wu and saying, look, we actually can't tell that you're in a different organization. We feel like you're all part of the same organization. We wouldn't be able to separate a Salesforce employee from a Pacific Clinics employee. It was such a nice, a nice match, you know, in terms of people and, and the passion and the commitment to do what we wanted to do. Just some other, you know, context and just the complexities around this. So for the last few decades, we've been doing business a certain way. And so Jason has referred them to as in here as our legacy business. Um, so that is contracting with the counties. Um, in the state of California, they carve out services for your, um, what they call your moderate severe population. So those that need more than just, you know, your 50 minute traditional mental health setting, they need a whole lot more. Um, and you know, that has been our business for, for decades. And so we've built our infrastructure around that business. And so we're pretty efficient with running that business. However, with the transformation, we now are dealing with a very different payer source, multiple payer source. In fact, one of our strategic goal was to diversify our funding stream because we were so dependent on the counties. And so by doing so, you know, we, needed, we knew that we needed to be able to deal with the complexities of all these different fund funders. So you do have that one layer of you know, regulations and needing that flexibility in the system to be able to do that. A lot of the EHRs today as is that support our business line are really tailored around what Jason calls our legacy system. Um, so again, we needed that flexibility. Jason also talked about that population health. So yes, our do the doors were pretty controlled. We knew we would have certain referrals that was not an aspect of business that we needed to be concerned about. In this new phase or in this new world, we needed to be concerned about that. So, you know, marketing, I mean, that was another product, another process that we weren't familiar with. Um, and then learning about Social Studio and, and Pardot, I mean, you know, those are all things that were new to us. So again, different regs, you bring that down to then different payer requirements, different data that needed to be collected, how we collect that data and how that data then moves between programs. At the end of the day, though, the need to be able to bill the payer to get reimbursed for services was also a need and they all have different requirements and processes around that. Um, and then we also wanted to do program evaluation to measure our effect the effectiveness of our program. So there are a lot of different things that we needed to do. Um, and we had a single tool to be able to do all that. And that single tool is not sufficient for us and is not sufficient for us. But let me kind of give you an example of what, if we didn't have Salesforce, what this would mean for us. We, ha we now have a program, it's called Enhanced Care Management where the health plan gives us thousands of names every month and they may or may not be the same names. And so in the past, what would happen is they would give us the names in an Excel spreadsheet, or at least we would get it, you know, it hurts me already. An Excel hurts spreadsheet. Me. <laughs> and then you would have to sort through the Excel spreadsheet to see if they're already in our system because they wouldn't flag if they're new. So we would have to then go open up our EHR to see if they're there. And if they're not there, then you know, have our team reach out to them. And if they're there, then don't reach out to them because they're our clients. So every month we had to go through that process and that took 80 hours. So that means half the month gone with just sorting Excel spreadsheets. 
That's bananas. Okay. Was there at least like a keystone match, for example, like social security number, or was it like free text entry? Like I enter my name, Ben Wu, but then I entered it Benjamin Wu another time. And like, now all of a sudden it doesn't match. You have to like cross validate. Well, our EHR doesn't have an API, so you can't even do that. Uh, (laughs) Oh, dang. This is uh, this. And this is important. I want people to know the technical challenge in front of us because I can say it because I don't depend on these groups right now, and I'm not in California, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I will put a few words in your mouth. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. Okay. One of the big challenges I know from working with city, state, municipalities, they're all on like kind of different systems or different, yes. they've certainly patched it at different places. All the data payloads are kind of different. And if you're telling me all this data is coming in differently in different payloads, uh, so that means you can't do, like you just said, use no cross-reference matching. You can't even run XLV lookup because it's just data is entered in differently. So you have to do data transformation and just do lookup. Then you also mentioned coding and pay- payments. Um, and then if all those systems are different, you can almost guarantee all their payment systems are different, which means all of their billing requirements are different. So if I'm billing county one, it's going to be one way. Billing county two, it's another way. And if you don't have a system for any of that, it's just straight manpower. And for a nonprofit, that's expensive. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, they, we still we, we do double entry. I mean, if you want to talk about needing to cut your GNA, fancy, huh, Jason? I got it. <laughs> you need to cut your GNA, but you need to also get paid. So, you know, other short of hiring people, technology is a solution. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I would say the nature of a nonprofit does not allow you to invest in your infrastructure, right? The nature of nonprofits is its mission, right? And and there's so much passion and so much yeah. energy with limited resources that technology doesn't get the right amount of time and effort to support the mission. So we have to leverage technology in the entire agency to be able to increase our reach in our service. And I've told told our leadership team, we can guarantee with putting technology, enabling technology into this very large behavioral health agency that we can free up hours of clinicians' time so that they don't have to be doing double entry. They don't have to be writing notes. They don't have to be dealing with taking, you know, all of their time to do the administrative work, but free that up. And then you have the time to go see your client and your customer. And so we understand that that's what technology in a nonprofit will do for us, but we have to be able to do it right. You have to have the big strategic plan. You have to have the right partners like Salesforce, the right tools. So I would say to you, you know, Eleanor in, in, in business development was a key aspect to say, look, we can, we can start doing it here. We can start modeling it. We can start an incubator here. But at the end of the day, right, the success models of putting it in play then allows us to basically then put it into the whole agency. And so, so that's where we are, right? We're not just, we're not just looking to put it into one or two new programs. We're really looking to put enable technology into the whole agency to support the mission. 
I mean, that makes total sense. You know, the more the more things you can automate, simplify the you know the more time and resource as you got as you have already stated so eloquently, you can put towards providing care. And I think that's the that's the hard part for people to understand about nonprofit health organizations is so much of their time is dedicated to non care. Like that's what's insane. Like most of their time is spent in non care, which is is crazy. And when I think about what you just described, the technical deficit that was in place, the, the challenges in place, you. I also want to frame up for our audience, if you've ever worked at a private tech company or a private company that might have enough R&D budget to have developers and engineers on the side, I call it on the bench or on the sideline, but like working on exploratory projects, you know, you don't have to deliver, you know, you have to deliver to a P&L, but at the same time, you're building something for the future. So it takes time. And nonprofits just don't have that type of runway in that arena. The other thing I wanted to ask you about Software has long been promised to like solve all these problems, but really software is just a tool, right? And so tools work in the practitioner's hands, right? I always use the carpentry example. If you give me a hammer, you will not get cabinets back. But if you give a skilled carpenter a hammer, they'll bring you back cabinets. And so that's also a challenge of software is that if you don't have the right practitioner on your side, you mentioned earlier the marketing tools, the social tools, data tools, flow building tools. Like those are all nice, but the same at the end of the day, someone has to build it. Someone had to put it together. What was that like? Did Pacific Clinics already have people that were versed in this? Did you have to get educated? Or was that kind of like you learned as you went through Legends of Low Code? And then now that skill is starting to be like, I guess, multiplied or cultivated inside the organization. Now, give our audience an idea of where you were in terms of technical skill. Well, Jason and I might have different opinions on this. <laughs> <laughs> Good. We'll start with you, Eleanor. <laughs> what I would say is most of the employees in this organization are clinicians. And some of them have gone up the ranks because, you know, they're really good clinicians. Um, and I've been fortunate to go up the ranks as well. But I'm not an IT, you know, um, and I shouldn't be talking about IT, but people will say, you know, that that ship has sailed. For me, it was looking, literally going to different conferences, looking for the solution and then pairing up with somebody who can help talk me through, you know, some of the different solutions. So Jason was one partner. We have a Salesforce implement, implementation partner in all of this. And But what Legends of Low Code has done is help us see what we don't know, right, as potentials. Um, and I think that's so critical, which is why we're having like a large number of our team go to Dreamforce because it's not just because it's a fun Salesforce conference, although I hear it is. I've, I've never been. I've been. Um, it's, this year will be our first. It's, it's pretty busy. <laughs> <laughs> just a bit, right? But for me, it was seeing all the different solutions. So you don't even know what to ask for until you can see something, right, as a potential solution. So that's from our side, you know, what needs to happen. And I think that needs to happen across our cross-functional groups. So not just our clinicians who are doing the work, our partners in finance, our partners in IT. Um, and I think, you know, we're in this transition phase to say, okay, what is it that we need? Um, but right now we've got great partners who are helping us through this transition. So it doesn't take 20 years to implement, you know, when we're done or when we get to a certain stage, we'll know what skill sets to bring in. So what, what people to bring in, what skills they need to come into place, because it may or may not be our current team or, you know, what do we need to do with our current team to help them develop their skills to meet the new demands? Uh, so those are kind of the questions that I think we're answering right now, um, but it's not all in-house. Um, you need partners in, in this. And like Jason said, you know, the partners that we have right now, we don't even see them as external you know, partners in all of this. They are so integrated in our thinking and our thoughts and just you know, how we envision all of this that 
I think, you know, that is probably the secret ingredient ingredient to our success is that they share in our mission um, and they're true business partners. Jason calls them business partners rather than just vendors. And I think there is a difference in that, you know, again, people that will walk with us along the way. Jason, am I fired after this? <laughs> so I, I will say to you, right, our agency is about the clinicians. And so the clinicians want to do what their passion is, which is to serve the clients. And so Eleanor's secret sauce was to say, look, you need the tools. She wasn't talking about brand new tools. She was just saying today, someone can use their phone, automatically make an appointment to get service. You know, your question was, do we have the right resources? How do, how do we get there? We're learning, as, as Eleanor said, she said it exactly right. We're learning what we need. The beauty about low code, it's like any of the tools that allow you to say, look, you don't have to be a programmer. You know, you, you can configure, you can write reports. Well, low code is so much more powerful than that, right? And so now in, in, in the support groups and the IT groups, I'm talking to the head of IT. Once we put these applications in place, what type of in-house support do you need to continue to maintain and actually evolve the application, which low code is, is designed to do versus going out and, and hire a consultant to help you do it, right? So, so we are learning, we are learning and we're putting in places the type of supports we need to continue to not just maintain, but but to evolve the applications because I think, you know, That's the, right. the one constant in business is change, right? And so we constantly have to be able to work with change and evolve. It's exciting to hear directly from you because I've been in the tech game for a while, although I don't currently build technology anymore. But I remember when the first they weren't called low code then, but when the first like WYSIWYG builders were coming about, there were so many promises of what it could potentially be. And of course, low code has evolved significantly since then. So when I hear the fact that the, your organization, the Pacific Clinics, that you're seeing an opportunity to invest, build on low code without having like expertise, right? Like meaning you need, you might need some outside consulting, but you don't have to necessarily be like experts in tools like it used to be to build the solutions that you possibly need. I think there's been a long mismatch between what vendors have promised and what is actually possible. So to hear you on the front lines actually doing it, pretty darn exciting. You know, there's a famous quote when it comes to technology and implementation. It's by an author, but he, he said, you know, Arthur C. Clarke says, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. For yourselves, as you saw the Trailblazers building applications for you uh, or, or process improvements for you, was there ever a moment where you're like, what just happened? Like, this is amazing. This is insane. This is, has totally helped me. I'd love to hear your perspective. Was there a moment where you realize, like, wow, I know I'm inherently selfish. So when I see someone do something that takes off a lot of pain work on my plate, I'm like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> Eleanor, your dad's already nodding. So jump in there. What what did you see where you're like, this is like magic? Well, it was funny because when I throw, threw in the wrencher to say, you know, they now automation was great, but we need validation. And in my head, in my world, it was like, okay, this would literally take years to do. <laughs> so how will they do it in this time that we have? Because they're still expected to do it. Yeah. But they did. You know, they addressed it. And going through Legends of Loco, the taping was 
it's pretty surreal. I mean, I'm watching them. I'm watching them pull things together. They're asking me questions. It's great. And then as they did their presentation, that's when I thought, oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that was magical for me. Um, that was just um, mind blowing. It was phenomenal. It was breathtaking. Um, and all three teams, and it's too bad that I had to choose one. The judges had to choose one because all of them were amazing. And again, you know, there are things in there that I just thought, I, I know this story. You know, it's years. That's why I said, you know, hopefully it doesn't take 20 years. And that, <laughs> that is not a joke. Um, but, you know, they did it. They, they responded to it. And that's exactly what we need. We've always, anytime a change would come, we would, with much chagrin, go, okay, can we see if they really want that? You know, do they really want that? Can we not do that? Every single time. And we work, like I said, in a number of counties and each county has their own rule, even though in one state, yeah. each county has their own rule. And so we've resisted change because it's just so difficult on us and our infrastructure was not designed to be able to make changes at the whim just like that. But with low code, you can. Okay, so I didn't like the design that way. Not only did I get one design, I got three options for the same request. And so just being able to change at the whim, that is such a huge part for organizations like us that have to, you know, regulators don't realize what it means. They, they think it's just a simple thing. And, you know, it might be the right thing to do for, you know, the consumers, for them to have better access to services, you know, whatever that, care, that might be. But implications for organizations like us to make that change is, is huge. Um, and it's not just on the clinical, it's a ripple effect throughout the organization. So to have Loco to be able to change pretty easily, it's just amazing. Jason, I didn't know if you had a moment where you're like, wow, this is amazing. This is going to fundamentally transform the way we operate. Well, look, I, I will tell you, when when Eleanor cries in the organization, it's usually tears of frustration, right? When she, <laughs> when she cries, th those are tears of joy, okay? Um, you know, what was really amazing to me was the 15, 30 minutes that the teams had. That's all they had to understand the business requirements, right? I mean, they didn't, they didn't have, they didn't, we sit and meet. We sit in meetings for hours, multiple meetings to come up with requirements, right? To find a solution. They had a 15, 20 minute debrief by Eleanor and then they came up with a solution and it wasn't even two days because it, one of the days was all of the other things they had to do. So their real programming and for the product was maybe a day, right? So that was incredible. The thing that I really, really liked when we look at our service and the multiple languages and trying to find folks that can can speak multiple languages, especially in the Bay Area. And, and you know, that translation feature, that was like a, a magic moment. I was thinking we need that in every single app we, we do from now on. You know, the thing I keep hearing, which I, I love to hear is, you know, when we work with nonprofits or have nonprofit people on the show, it's always mission first. Right. That's why they choose to do what they do. You know, no one gets into nonprofit because they want to solve these headache problems between counties, municipalities, and cities. Like, that's not the reason why anyone gets into it. So to actually hear from people on the front lines, actually hear, seeing this, and the fact that, Eleanor, you actually cried because you just realized yes. how much pain yes. had been yes. pulled <laughs> out, of your, out of your life. And that's fantastic. That allows the org to do what it's set to do, which is provide critical health services, mental health services to underserved populations. 
paperwork was never your dream. Well, I, I can say that. I feel confident to say that you never dreamt about doing paperwork. <laughs> Much less Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> I was picturing your pain as you described it. Like, and we're oh talking goodness, about is... columns and columns that's past the ZZ. <laughs> and whatever variable that is past ZZ. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. <laughs> we know Jason and Eleanor kind of walked us through what they experienced on Legends of Low Code. Go check it out if you liked what you heard. If you were curious about Pacific Clinics, it is available. Their website is pacificclinics.org. Jason, Eleanor, I want to say thank you for joining us. Thanks for sharing all the services that you do. Thanks for sharing the problem that you've now solved. We're glad to have you on the show. It was awesome hearing your story. Thanks, Albert. Thanks so much, Albert. Albert.